You're listening. You're listening to a University of Kentucky. University of Kentucky. College of Arts and Sciences podcast. Jeremy Van Cleve joined the University of Kentucky's faculty this semester. With him, he brought fascinating research into the fields of evolutionary biology and ecology. Professor Van Cleve sat down with us to talk about his research, his goals for his time at UK, and how he's settling in in the city of Lexington. My name is Jeremy Van Cleve. I'm a new professor in the Department of Biology. I just started in January. I came from postdoctoral position at Duke University and at the University of North Carolina. My focus is evolutionary biology, and my previous postdoctoral positions have been looking at applying mathematical and computational models to look at problems in evolution. And that's the kind of research that I'll continue on here at UK. What led you to taking a position at the University of Kentucky? I've definitely been on the look for getting a faculty position and doing, being able to do research and teaching. And I, you know, the university, the Department of Biology particularly, was advertising a position that was pretty well suited for my background. So it was focused on computational uh, and mathematical biology. And nicely, it was in the Department of Biology, which is actually where my PhD is from. So even though I tend to use math and computer modeling tools a lot in my work, it's really sort of in the biological context that all the applications are. And so it's nice to be able to have a home in a biology department. And the position here in the biology department was one that seemed pretty enticing. And I was lucky enough to get an interview and came. And everyone here was really nice and supportive and seemed like it was an exciting place to work and even luckier to get an offer. So here I am. Where are you from initially? Uh, Initially, I'm from Santa Fe, New Mexico. That's where I was um, born and grew up and went to high school and um, have lived in the West a bit too, sort of on and off through childhood. Mm-hmm. So uh, how are you finding the city so far? I've gotten situated with all the coffee shops, which is <laughs> an important part of <laughs> being an academic anywhere. And uh, yeah, it seems like it's a pretty kind of manageable, compact place, especially around downtown the university. And so I've got a place to live that's, you know, less than less than two miles from here and it's easily bikeable and it's bikeable from there to downtown to places to eat. What kind of classes are you teaching already? So I haven't started teaching this spring but I'll be teaching in the fall and it'll probably be a either undergrad or graduate seminar hopefully focusing on some of the topics that have been pretty close to my research. Mm -hmm. So it could be a course on for example the mathematical conceptual foundations in ecology and evolution And one thing I like about that topic is that not many folks, especially if you're coming from just having taken a biology course in undergrad or in high school, not many folks know about how kind of quantitative those topics can get and how actually long the history is of biologists using math to understand the living world around them. And so a lot of that history actually goes back to the late 19th century and early 20th century. And a lot of those mathematical tools are things that have been refined in the last hundred plus years mm-hmm. into the kinds of things that really can help us not just understand kind of the current distribution of where species live and how they're connected to their climate and how they sort of evolved and speciated, but can really even help us make start to make quantitative predictions about how species will respond in the short term to climate change and as 
temperatures or as precipitation patterns change, but really even how they'll respond in the long term as a function of whether they have, in some sense, the ability to evolve in response to those changes. So the, the theory that sort of the mathematical and conceptual background that we've been using has really gotten sophisticated and it's something that is exciting to present to people when they haven't heard it before. Okay. Let's talk a little bit more about the research that you're doing. Sure. How would you explain it to someone like me yeah. who's a complete layman who has no idea about anything you're talking about? Sure, sure. So one of the topics that I um, spend a lot of time working on is the evolution of social behavior and how both animals and people and really kind of all living things interact with one another and how those interactions might be more or less cooperative or how there might be more or less conflict in them. So one typical example that biologists like to talk about is the example of the social insects. And so in social insect colonies like ants or bees or wasps, you often find that there's a really delicate division of labor where there are some individuals like the queen whose only job is to make new offspring. And there are, some of her offspring in turn become workers and they help take care of their siblings and they go out and gather food. And then there, sometimes some of those workers or even more specialized individuals will defend the nest. So in that kind of society, if you want to think of it as something like that, it's highly organized and highly cooperative. Some individuals are essentially spending much of their time doing activities around the colony that have nothing to do with reproduction or with having their own offspring. And so in any kind of animal society that we can, where we can see that kind of organization where individuals are sort of contributing in a way that might not increase their reproductive success, sort of one of the things that's really important when thinking about evolutionary change, then we sort of want, want to have an idea for how, what are the factors that go into allowing a species to evolve those, those kinds of interactions. Okay. And so one of the things, the tools that I use to try to figure that out is um, the tools of, of mathematics and computer modeling. And so that involves kind of setting up conceptual situations. So I might try to write down sort of the most basic elements of that kind of worker-queen interaction where maybe there's a certain amount of help that a worker can give the queen and in return the queen is going to produce more offspring and the worker that the worker has helped the queen produce and maybe the worker is the daughter of the queen so there's some chance that the worker's own genes will get passed on if the queen has additional kids. So all of those, those sort of independent factors you can put into a mathematical model and then figure out how important they are in driving social behavior. Okay. So with the work that you're doing, are you taking the study and applying it to different species? Are you looking at ants specifically? Are you applying yeah. it to people? Like, yeah, good question. So it's a lot of those models are really generic. So the like the, the kinds of even though the interaction may be like thinking about it may be motivated by the ant example, that same kind of situation where there's some amount of help to be given and a certain amount of help to be received and there's maybe some effort or cost if you want to call it that that goes into giving help, that crosses all kinds of different species. So absolutely, we, we apply it to people. And in people, what's interesting is there's a lot more possibility for real interaction at the behavioral and within sort of behavior. So individuals can respond to one another in real time and they can I can do something and you can see what I'm doing and decide sort of based on your thought process whether you want to sort of increase how much you're helping me or decrease how much you're helping me and, and I'll respond in turn. And that kind of interaction, that kind of feedback is something that's 
sort of presumably not as possible in species that don't have as sophisticated uh, cognitive ability as people or like some of the other primates okay. or mammals. So some of those species, we, th we can think of more sophisticated mechanisms where they can, by which they can cooperate rather than just the sort of simple kind of hierarchical situation you think of in like an ant colony. Okay. So it certainly allows thinking about more complex processes with related to psychology and cognition and all those kinds of things. How are you finding campus so far, just like as a place to be throughout your day? Pretty good. It's I've been pretty restricted in some sense to just the, the to kind of two biology buildings, just by means of setting up my lab and you know, trying to, to talk to folks around there, but it seems pretty manageable. It's definitely, you know, there's a lot of construction going on. It seems like there's a lot of building, and so that's, even though that makes things, you know, a little more tricky for getting around, it's, it's always exciting, and so it means that things are happening and things are moving, and so one thing that's exciting about that is there's a new... The academic um, science building? The academic science building, that's it, yes. So that's going up, and that, that so that should be fun when it opens up and some of the bio folks get to explore that. And so far I'm, I'm over in one of the research buildings, which is sort of across the street from Thomas Hunt Morgan. The, the nice thing though about the academic science building is there should be some plan to reorganize things and consolidate some of where the biology faculty are. And mm -hmm. um, so folks will be maybe be in a little bit more closer proximity to one another. It's certainly one of the things that makes a big difference is having, you know, being able to have people across the hall and instead of across a building and For sure. it's sort of it's surprising often how much of a difference the organization within a building is and how easy it is to just sort of walk by people or run into them in the hallway how much that can affect what you do on a day-to-day -day basis and what kind of new ideas you come up with and who you interact with and so mm -hmm. um, and sometimes it's sometimes an underappreciated part of thinking about where you put people and what kind of how you build buildings but it makes a huge difference. Uh, something we love to ask new faculty on these things to kind of throw them on the spot sure. is uh, if there's anything you can tell us about yourself in your personal life, if you've got a hobby or a special oh, talent uh, that you think would be fun to share or talk about. So one thing I've been doing for, God, what is it now, uh, almost 20 years is I've um, practicing a martial art called Aikido, which is it's a little bit like uh, jiu-jitsu in that there's a lot of wrist locks and throws, but it's a little more circular and there's less kind of competition or wrestling. And so I've been doing that now for quite a while and um, with some breaks in between, but I started when I was in junior high school and have continued. So I haven't started up yet since I moved and I'll have to, there's a couple places in town which I might sort of check out. I, there's a possibility I could look at doing something on campus even teaching something depends on how much more t how much more teaching I want to do on top of what's what I'll be doing in the biology department. But yeah, so that's been that's been a fun part. Yeah, it's kind of kind of crazy to, to think of having done that for twenty years, but that's that's what it is. Is this a martial art that has a belt system? Or? Yeah, yeah. So it's it has a ranking system. It doesn't not a lot of places have like different colored belts. They're usually just white and black. So in in it, I'm a second degree black belt. Okay. <laughs> that sounds lethal. I wouldn't say lethal, but it just means I've been doing it for a long time. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for yeah, joining fun. us. Absolutely. And uh, we'll see you on campus. Yeah, great. Thank you for listening. And thanks to the College of Arts and Sciences and the Department of Biology for making this podcast possible.